Welcome to the Music for Humans podcast. My guest today is the violinist influencer Michael Fisher. Thanks for being with us today, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, very exciting. For those who don't know Michael, Michael is a 19-year-old violinist with quite an exciting start of career. He's currently studying classical violin performance at the New England Conservatory of Music. He's also the recipient of multiple awards and recently grown an impressive 50,000 followers on Instagram with his violin videos. That's awesome. So could you tell us a little bit like how you got into playing violin in the first place? Like, do you have a musical family, all that good history stuff about you? Yeah, so I was thankfully adopted into a very musical family. My mother is a pianist and singer-songwriter. She's primarily a church musician, but has done a lot of her own work and has albums. So that was always kind of cool to get to grow up with. And my dad's profession is a public school band teacher, but he is mainly a, I think he's a concert percussionist. Um, so funnily enough, I started when I was four years old. And again, my dad is a drummer, so he loved to show me his favorite bands all the time. So his favorite band was Dave Matthews Band all the way back in, what would this be, like 2006, right? So I remember, like, I guess we were one time just sitting on the couch watching Dave Matthews Band. You know, he's like, Mike, Mike, look at the drummer, look at the drummer. Like, this is awesome. This is what I want you to do. And all I could see was Boyd Tinsley, the electric violinist. So... I, I think I literally just looked at it, my dad, and I said, Dad, this is what I want to do. And we started violin lessons the next year, and <laughs> it's kind of grown a little bit. So, <laughs> Wow, yeah. that's so cool. I, yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, I love Dave Matthews Band, actually. Hey. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And then it became, you know, bigger and bigger in your life until you chose to literally, you know, try go for it and uh, try to make a career out of this. Uh, now you're studying in college. What was the, the main reason that made you, you know, take the leap and want to, uh, to go and study music performance in college? Yeah, to be honest, I feel very fortunate for having grown up the way that I did. Um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my background just because I think it has a wild influence on how I kind of came to the conservatory scene. Um, I think a lot of students, a lot of kids out there are either forced into or feel like they have like this barrier that they have to all of a sudden like lunge over when it comes to studying music in college. And for me, it was the polar opposite. Um, Music was just always such a huge part of my life. Uh, and I don't know, like, it sounds kind of silly, like, looking back now. But uh, even when I was six, I was just sort of like, yeah, I, I want to be a professional violinist. I did wow. not know what that meant. I had no idea. I but it was the only thing that I knew at the time. And I just kind of always kept saying that as I grew up, you know, through elementary school, through middle school. You know, people ask what you want to do in school. It's like, oh, I want to be a professional violinist. And... As I continued to grow and go to summer programs and meet new people, I sort of started to learn just year after year what it meant to be a professional violinist. Um, thankfully, it never scared me off learning how, yeah. how challenging it could be. Um, but yeah, it was just always sort of the vision and it was never forced on me. It was just, you know, the, the love that a little kid had for it. It just kept going and going until I was of the age to audition. And here I am. That's amazing. I mean, I, I have very different story from you, <laughs> but uh, 
I also uh, it, it was also my dream to uh, become a professional musician and but I started playing the violin when I was 16 so it was like a kind of like a different um uh, yeah different paths so uh a little mm -hmm. bit like you i grew up in a my mom um was playing the piano quite a bit when i was a kid and we had like this upright piano in the living room where she would play every day and then we all took piano lessons uh my siblings and i and and eventually i picked up the guitar when i was like 12 13 and um and then i saw someone playing violin and I was maybe like 14 and I was like, oh, this instrument is really cool. Like I feel it's it's like such a sensitive instrument. Like you can really express your emotions and feelings with with this instrument that I feel no other instrument can can do it like as well as the violin. Anyway, for mm -hmm. for my my own taste. Um, so I decided to to pick up the violin. And then when I finished high school, uh, I at first I thought I was going to study uh, guitar in college and finally i decided to do violin so i took a sabbatical year because obviously after playing like one year of violin it would have been very <laughs> hard to to get accepted in college uh, in violin performance and then i just practiced like eight hours a day for for an entire year and then i oh, i incredible. met with uh, <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was quite a quite a bit of practice um, I got lucky. I met with some nice teachers, and they they, they really like helped me out and all this. Um, but yeah, like uh, me too. It was really the love for music that uh, that drove me to uh, to follow this this career path. But like you were saying, it's a little bit scary once you get to a certain level, and then you have a lot of people uh, saying like, "Are you sure you want to do this? Like this is a very hard world." Did you feel like sometime? you um some teachers or some people around you were kind of like kind of warning you but in a way that it felt a little bit like discouraging at some times and and things like this did that happen to you thankfully with the people that mattered most in my life i i experienced nothing but support and love from them um so again i'm very thankful i think surprise maybe not surprisingly actually uh the the most amount of you know concern that was expressed was amongst my peers and people yeah. who don't didn't understand um yeah. i mean especially i don't come from I, I come from a very small area in the middle of central central pennsylvania not a big city classical music isn't you know people don't know what it is they're not exposed to it here mm. um but yeah so with my teachers and my parents it was just okay you want to do it then just go work hard and we'll, we'll figure it out along the way which I think was a really beautiful thing. I, I just kind of, it was okay if I failed and it was just sort of, well, we'll shoot for the stars and kind of figure it out as we go. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely had some, you know, backlash from a lot of my peers who, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go to school for this. I'm going to get my degree and get a job. And then they'd ask me what I wanted to do. And it was, um, so I'm going to practice, kind of take a chance and, and hope we find a job somewhere, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, it was ma mainly amongst people my age, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Same, same thing. Definitely a lot of uh, people that are not um, educated or don't know mm. ab about the, the, the musical world. They, they feel like, what are you going to do? Like play? somewhere in the street and like you know try <laughs> yeah. to get a few bucks like there's a lot more to this uh, 
there's a, a, a many ways to make money with music, especially today with social media and all this. Um, there's yeah, there's there's in, an infinite amount of ways to make a career. You just have to be creative and mm -hmm. yeah. find your own path and all this. So um, when you got you know um, ready for your your college auditions and all this, how uh, how was it for you? Were you stressed? Were you nervous? Like when you got there, I mean, I mean, I bet you you were. It's like quite the the process. So how did that uh, go for you? <clears throat> Yeah, so I think it kind of, I mean, it's probably, you know, pretty uh, implied, but I'm a very goal-oriented person. Um, so again, I think it was just always part of my vision for myself. I'm a very, uh, my, my dad always says that, I have a younger sister, that I'm like a laser beam and my sister's like a floodlight. <laughs> I, I see one thing and that's all I see. And getting into conservatory, um, since I was little, you know, I mean, just because of how the media works and all of that, Juilliard was always the goal, you know, since I was little, I, I again, I had no idea what it meant when I was younger, but I was always like, dad, I'm going to get into Juilliard. Like I'm going to like in 10 years when I apply, I'm getting into Juilliard. Um, so this was like my moment. <laughs> it was what I've been waiting my whole life for. Um, and then COVID hit because my application process was that fall of 2020, because oh, I was a 2021 graduate. So it was really weird. <laughs> um, I mean, I was already so stressed out about the whole competitive aspect of it. But then, I mean, month to month, I didn't know what the process would look like. Granted, it ended up being completely online for everything. Um, but just the unknown, I think, is probably the, the most unsettling thing for our human race. Yeah. And so for something that was so important to me, to not know what it was going to look like, to not know what the campuses looked like when I was trying to figure it out, what the teachers were like. Um, it was very disorienting for something that I'd been planning for my whole life. Um, but the actual application process itself, yeah, a lot, the, the recordings were very strange. You know, you, music is a very um, personable experience. It's very vulnerable. And it's obviously much better when it's done in person, live, like, you know, in a concert setting. Um, so having to prepare for solely recordings throughout the process, that was a very different mentality. Lots of time in the studio trying to, you know, get the perfect take and trying to find the balance between, okay, like, am I making music? Am I focusing too much on sounding perfect? Um, it was just a very obsessive four or five months yeah, for, sure. for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. So after your audition, like everything you prepared for, uh, is there something that like happened or something that you learned from your audition that you would have liked to know, know before uh, beforehand? Yeah, obviously. Um, I think I have a very different answer than I think most people do. I've been raised to it's been drilled into my head to always be a good person. That's like my mantra. It's what I, I think is what's going to help you find a career, work with others, like social media, getting people to want to be a part of your journey. Um, it's just to be a really good, like decent human being. And I think that's my advice for going into the audition process. Having talked with uh, all these professors from, you know, Juilliard, New England Conservatory, Cleveland Institute, Curtis, um, and getting to listen to different panels from different programs I've been a part of, the number one thing that they all talk about is your personality, your character. I mean, 
it's a prerequisite. You have to be able to play well, obviously practice really hard, be disciplined. But my advice to anyone listening to this, and I say this all the time, is they care so much more about your willingness to learn and accept that you don't know everything. Uh, they, they value that so much more than your ability to play perfectly at the age of 18 or 19. And so, yeah, I remember I was so stressed out about trying to sound a certain way about being better than however many other people from across the world that were applying because it, it is such a competitive process. Um, but once I got to meet with the teachers and interact with them a little bit, even though it was through Zoom, I quickly realized, and of course, being further removed from it and learning more now, the most important part is how you work with them, um, how you work with others and how they perceive you know, your ego, your work ethic. Uh, I, I just, I, I cannot stress enough that how you are as a person matters so much more than how you play. That's very interesting because it's the same in the professional world after yep. when you finish school. Yeah, for sure. If you want to apply for a tour or, I mean, I guess orchestra is a little bit different because mm -hmm. um, basically they hear you play behind a curtain and um, yeah. I'm not, it's, yeah, it's probably still like this. Uh, so it's really just about the playing. But then if you want to play in a band or if you want to audition for companies like Cirque du Soleil or things like this, uh, you, you have to meet with them and talk and all this. And, um, and they, they also try to, uh, to test you. So at my audition with, uh, with Cirque du Soleil, what they did is like uh, they made me play a song and then... Whenever I finished playing that song, I was like, I was so happy with how I played it. I was like, man, I don't think I've ever played that that song like as good as I just did now. Like it was the best shot ever. And then they just looked at me and they told me like, this was horrible. Like this was the worst thing we've ever heard. Like, can you just try again, please? Like, and you know, try to at least make an effort and make it sound a little bit better at least and i was just shocked i was like what just happened like i thought it was so good and then i just played it again and then and then they were like okay that was a little bit better and then they just kept going with the audition and at the end of the audition they told me okay when you played that song and we said it was horrible it was not true you played it like very very well the only thing we wanted to see how you would react to like such a harsh comment and like if you would be first like still able to continue playing because whenever you work with some uh so th there's some musical directors and uh, artistic directors that are really intense and they will just yell yeah. at you and things like this i got lucky my musical director was very nice and, and calm when i was on tour but there's a musical director that gets uh angry and 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 all this so they really want to see if you're able to work under pressure and and then how you will answer back and things like this and if 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 your personality is good for for this and i mean also whenever you're on tour uh it, sometimes you're in a bus for for quite some time uh, you're working with the same people every single day like you know you share not just the stage with them but a big part of your life so the personality is what i i would say like it's at least 60% of why they yeah. would hire you. And then talent, obviously, is very important too. Like, you need to be a good player. You cannot be 
you know, a mediocre musician. And then mm -hmm. just because you're super nice, they will hire you. But uh, but yeah, it's very important. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how important it is also to to get into uh, college now. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. And then uh, actually talking about this and how important it is to not only practice your instrument, um, it's important also to keep like a good life balance between practice time, physical activities and social life. Um, uh, I saw that on, on your social media that you do a lot of workout and things like this. Um, so how do you handle like your time? How do you manage time for workout, social life, practice and all that? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think it's the most important thing ever is to have balance in your life. Um, I think there, there are so many people, especially like in service where that will just lock themselves in a practice room all day. And I, I just don't understand how you can possibly have any inspiring or creative musical ideas or a story to tell. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do is, you know, give our audience something memorable and an experience. And I just, if you're not living life and have been like growing and experiencing new things, I don't understand how you could possibly achieve any of that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, with how I do, I mean, I've working out has always been a very big part of my life. Uh, I was always, I was a two sport varsity athlete in high school. I did track and cross country. Um, so running has always been around. It's just like right. my second hobby. Um, but then during the pandemic, I got into lifting weights and that is now like between running and lifting and just having a good diet. That's, yeah, that's pretty much like hobby number two for me at this point, nice. um, behind music. Uh, but it just, I, I think it's so important. It helps me feel better. I think it develops my discipline, which I think is super important. So I think a lot of people almost frown upon musicians working out. But then they ask me at the same time how I'm able to work so hard or like how I can practice for so long a day. And I'm like, well, it's because I spend so much of my time strengthening my brain and doing things I don't always want to. Um, I don't know. I'm a bit of a, you know, serious guy. I, I like to work hard. So that, that's just me. But uh, yeah, so I think being active is super important outside of the mental aspects. Obviously, it's so great for you physically and emotionally with how it balances your hormones and all that jazz. Um, with being social, that's definitely the most challenging one, uh, especially while you're at school, because everyone, especially at conservatory has similar goals to you and is competitive and has the same drive. So everyone is trying to outwork everyone. <laughs> so yeah. it's a bit challenging. And to be completely honest, that's something that I want to work on a bit more when I go back to school this fall. Um, but I think it's, it doesn't, I think people have this over exaggeration of how much time we need to dedicate to everything for it to be like quote a part of our lives or a priority and i think sometimes we just take advantage of the little things like sometimes it doesn't have to be that we spend eight hours a day with a group of besties and we go do all these cool things like sometimes it's just like a 20 minute phone call with someone and that's enough to energize you and to just kind of reset and to let you know that there's someone in your life that cares about you. Um, that's something that I really value is just trying to take little time, like little meaningful parts out of my day to interact with my friends or family. Um, but at the end of the day, life is about the relationships you build, yeah. not 
the accolades you acquire along the way. And those relationships are often the things that will help you get to where you're going anyway. So yeah, I definitely think that they're super important. And if you have them, nurture them for sure. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, a few weeks ago, I met with uh, guitarist Matt Hogan. So this guy played uh, with Miley Cyrus for a long time. And he played with, with a bunch of really cool artists, like with Lady Gaga, Bruce Springsteen. He toured all over, yeah. And this is the first thing he told me. He told because I asked him, like, how did you get into, you know, this crowd? How did did you audition? How does it work? Like, I was curious. And uh, he told me, like, basically, it's all about friends. You know, he mm -hmm. met like uh, he was good friend with with someone, and then that person was good friend with like the musical director of that band and then they were looking for a guitar player for one tour and then he referred him and then they all met and and he told me the same exact thing you're saying right now that like it's extremely important first to be nice you know and to have like this this kind of personality that is uh, attracting other people and making other people that want to work with you and then uh, so one more question for you about this, like, uh, so I know everyone is really focused towards their goals and all this, but do you feel that there's musicians that are interested in doing collaboration, chamber music or things like this? Do you have friends that uh, that you can share your passion for for music with them at school? Yeah, I, I 100% because everyone knows that working with others and being able to collaborate is a part of music and there are I would say there are more people that think music happens between a collection of people than, you know, rather than just being by yourself, actually, than, than the other side, just thinking that music happens as a solo act. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I will say it's it's pretty cool environment with people constantly trying to, you know, like, hey, like, like let's read chamber music together. Or like, hey, like, we're, we're doing this gig together. Like, let's go do it. Uh, it. It's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. You get to you know, have a lot of different experiences and meet new people. Um, I, so I think that's like, it's definitely, it's super important and it does happen a lot. I think there's also an aspect still of, uh, like, I will be real, the, the conservatory environment means that everything is a competition still though. Yes. So, so there's sure, always, yeah. yeah, there's always a great assault when someone asks you to, you know, let's collaborate, you know, yes. there's always, there's always some caveats in there somewhere. <laughs> It is so true. That's kind of what drove me a little bit away from the classical music yeah. <laughs> world. And yeah, because I was, I'm, I'm, I still love classical music, but, uh, but when I got into college in uh, in classical violin, I was so passionate about classical music. Like I was, I was like seeing the Montreal Symphony Orchestra like as often as I could. I was always going to my friends' recitals and all this, and I was trying to learn as much as possible. I was reading the bios of all the composers that I liked and trying to see, you know, where in their life, why they composed this piece, what they were going through and all this to, to try to understand what they were trying to communicate through their music. So after this, when I would play it, I could kind of like feel a little bit what they were going through when they composed that mm -hmm. music. and. And try to kind of like relate or find some emotions inside of me or or life experiences that were similar to to theirs obviously like i mean my favorite uh, composers are romantic composers and 
obviously I, I my life was never as hard as theirs but uh, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you when you're like younger adult or teenager you feel like your life is extremely hard especially like yeah. <laughs> and all this so it's nice to feel like oh wow their life was so intense and all this and they would like you know put it all out into like this beautiful music so it yeah it, it really I was always very passionate about that. I thought it was, still think it's the most interesting way to express yourself is music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now, I mean, you must have a lot of mentors and interesting people surrounding you at school and maybe not just at school, also with your family and friends. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm curious to know who is the most like influential person in your life and why? Yeah, geez. Um, okay, I, I have two people in mind. I'll go with the one. <laughs> um, contrary to what most people probably assume of me, my number one idol, I try to live like everything I do. I try to remember how he did it and why he did it. Um, it's the unfortunately late but still great basketball player, Kobe Bryant. And oh, nice. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people know him for his tenacity and his competitiveness, his grit on the basketball court, which, I mean, obviously that's still inspiring as it is playing through injuries, you know, like tearing his Achilles and still winning games on him. Like, you know, the, the guy was one of the greatest competitors in the history of sports, but how he worked off the court and even past his basketball career in the short time that he had before he passed with what he was doing with creative writing. Um, the guy was just obsessive and I don't know how much you know about him, but you know, like the, his, his, uh, I don't, I don't even know what you would say. Like his nickname, like the black, the black Mamba. And yeah. from that, the Mamba mentality. Um, yeah. The Mamba mentality is something that I really try to live my life by. Um, I just think it's such a beautiful, I like concept. Um, and it's literally, I mean, everyone has their own interpretation of it, but his, his real definition is to just wake up every single day to be the best version of yourself. And what I think is so amazing about it is that doesn't necessarily have to be in your career. It can be like how you handle your relationships with people, how you make money, you know, how you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Obviously like, you know, how much you practice, how much you're in the gym, but to just every single day be obsessive about constantly getting how you were yesterday i think is such an amazing concept and especially in the field of music it's something that i really try to promote through what i do with social media um because i think so many of us like you're like you said you're, you're kind of a different story with starting so late and still being a part of the musical industry but for many of us we start when we're kids and we have no idea what the world is supposed to look like yet and we're taught to look at other people and acknowledge how they're better than us and how we aren't good enough. And I really think, I mean, I, again, if you like, please have your kids do music. I think it's a beautiful thing, but the competitiveness in the musical world, it it's, it's fierce and it starts when we're so young. And I think it's so easy to get trapped into constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And so like with this Mamba mentality of just be the best you, you know, like outside of what everyone else is doing, just to work on you and just 
like that to me has been really inspiring. It's driven me to work harder than I have ever before. But beyond that has really forced me to prioritize my mental health and being, you know, closer to my family and friends. And I, I just think that's a really beautiful thing. If you haven't, you know, really looked into it too much, I, I highly recommend. This is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep stating this guy because what you say is very, very similar to, uh, a psychologist that uh, I really like, um, Jordan Peterson. I, I'm not sure if you know. Who oh, that yeah. Guy. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> so he says um, this this phrase that I, I kind of live by, which is the same as you say. He say, don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. So it's mm -hmm. basically this. So in a, because like you were saying, in a, an environment of like extreme competition, it's very easy to always find someone that is a lot better than you and start thinking like, okay, this is unachievable and I will never get as good as this person and it's impossible. And it makes, it makes the whole process of uh, reaching your goals very miserable and always like feeling like you're nothing. And, um, and then instead of doing this, instead of... Uh, kind of resent other people for their talent and all this, uh, you should look at them with eyes of like, I want to learn how to become like this. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if everything was easy, the same for everyone. Uh, there would not be any kind of like sense of achievement when you finish yeah. it. So that's kind of like the part of competition that is rewarding and all this, which is good. But but like like we were saying, if you just look at other people and say like, oh, I can never be like them and all this, then the competition can mm -hmm. become toxic. But it's all what you make out of it. So there's people that are good with competition and they can handle it and they can go through it. And there's people that they don't like it and they, they just choose a different career path. And it's it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, music is definitely uh, very competitive uh it's like a big bet <laughs> like yeah i really hope so <laughs> so yeah but yeah so talking about finding jobs and all this um uh, it's an interesting you know social media is pretty like an, a newer thing where like mm -hmm. uh, people can make this uh their job now and get get known and use this as a very uh, like as a, a as a platform to to find work and all this so uh, what are you trying to achieve with your social media yeah so from a very you know just entrepreneurial like this is my career kind of like outlook on it um obviously i think it's probably the most efficient form of networking in today's world it's there everyone is on it why not take advantage of that um especially in a field like music networking is everything it's about who you know not what you know in many cases um so i just think it's super important to have an online presence in today's world so there's that aspect um i just am a very driven person I like to be innovative and try to create new things and, uh, you know, just try to bring new things to the table. So there's that aspect. Um, but my overall goal is I really just have never liked how exclusive and shut off classical music is from the rest of the world. And I've, it's just been such an important part of my life that I think 
I want it. I, I want to help bring it to other people, to people who haven't been exposed to it. And so for me, a large part of my goals with it is to almost redefine what it means to be a classical musician. And, you know, for instance, the stigma that classical musicians shouldn't be working out. I am working very hard to try and debunk that, you know, um, that classical musicians can't play different genres of music because for whatever reason, it's not highbrow art. I don't believe in that. You know, I want to bring that back. Like I want to tear that down. Um, I want to kind of like just fuse a lot of these different worlds and show people that as a classical musician, there are other opportunities and other ways to approach the field, just like anything else in today's world. Um, so yeah, I, I really am just hoping to kind of be innovative with what I'm doing. Um, but also just, I think I've really been exposed to the struggles in classical music and just life, honestly, with being competitive. So more than anything, I'm just trying to inspire other people to just really work on themselves, be the best versions of themselves, and to kind of ignore the noise in whatever industry they're in. So that's like my big thing is everything I do. I just want to try to inspire other people. And for me, social media is the easiest way to do that because it's really hard to talk to 50,000 people every single day. But if I can do that on my phone, you know, it's a little bit easier for me. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I really like that. That's amazing. Very common goals uh, that that you have. I mean, yeah, we share some common goals for sure. That's that's great. That. Definitely could feel this too when I was uh, in college or when I would go see the symphony orchestra and I was always one of the youngest people in, in the audience. It's like yeah. an aging crowd and it it's been feeling like this for so many years. So it feels like the only people that go see the symphony are either like older people or uh, musicians. So so definitely, yeah. like I think there's a whole world of so many beautiful music that needs to be discovered and what you're doing it will definitely help to to reach to some more like kind of like a mainstream crowd which is great like it's very very amazing um which leads me to my uh, my next question what is your biggest dream or aspiration and what would you need to do in order to achieve it yeah so in the classical music I, i'll back up I, th I think of my life in like different pillars. I mean, they all serve one, you know, my, my one life, but I definitely feel like I have different categories in which I kind of operate in. <laughs> um, but in the classical music world, I, I want to compete. I want to go to try and get my name into international competitions and just see what happens. Um, I think... I keep my doors open though. I'm not one of those people who's like, this is my path. I'm not doing anything else. Like, this is it. Um, it's just like my dream. I, I think it'd be cool to win and, you know, be an international soloist and have that be the dream. You know, I think that is a lot of people's dreams when it comes to classical music. And again, kind of along the theme of a lot of what we've talked about already is I, I just don't really believe and not trying <laughs> for yeah. lack of better things you know i would just hate to say that i never tried so i could never yeah. know um but like career-wise honestly just whatever opportunity comes you know the, the competition thing is cool i'll probably end up taking orchestra jobs i love to teach i really want that to be a huge part of my life 
But at the same time, I would be totally happy playing a Broadway show pit, touring with a band, you know, like doing movie soundtracks. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think there are just so many different things that you can do with music if you're versatile and a good person. And I just kind of want as many experiences as possible, you know? That's awesome. Well, thanks for being with us today, Mike. It was great talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. 